So there was this young man. This young man met this wise, astute person who he started spending time with. This, this wise man got him out of a jam, and so he decided to learn from him, to spend time with him, to soak up what he was trying to tell him. And so he goes to his home, and he, he says these words, Mr. Miyagi, I would like to learn karate. Will you teach me? For those of y'all that remember what happens next, Mr. Miyagi says, only if you'll be submissive to my teaching and do exactly what I ask you to and never question it. The young man, Daniel-san, Ralph Macchio, greatest name in movie history, starts to learn from Mr. Miyagi, and he teaches him the first day by telling him to paint the fence up, down, up, down. Good, y'all are with me. The next day, he tells him to scrub the patio deck. No, no, no. Don't go ahead of me. This is not wax on. The next day, he comes back and he tells him there's three beat-up cars. And he needs to give them each coats of waxing. And he is to? Y'all are good. Wax on, wax off. After that day, he comes in. If you remember, he's frustrated. He had finished his work and he comes into Mr. Miyagi and he's throwing a fit. And he says, what does this have to do with karate? I thought you were going to teach me, not me do your chores. And Mr. Miyagi said, I have been teaching you karate. Defend yourself. Throws a punch. And Ralph's like, oh, Daniel, oh, Mr. Miyagi. And he goes, paint the fence. Whoosh, whoosh. Remember this? Clean the deck. Whoosh, whoosh. Wax on, wax off. Whoosh, whoosh. Throws a kick, stops it. He says, see, taught you. I taught you something through simplicity because here's the thing. Skill comes from repeating the same steps over and over the correct way, even when it seems mundane. And this is exactly where we're going to go today in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Those of y'all that are with me, we've started going through this passage together, talking about how God has a plan for our faith, how we're not supposed to just stay in this kind of streamlined, easy faith. We're to add to it. We're to supplement it. We're to add flavor to it. Faith should be exciting. Faith should be enriching. Faith should be changing. And if it's not, it's not because God isn't good. It's because you're not doing what he called you to do. God has called you to an exciting faith. He's called you to fellowship with himself. That's exciting. That's changing. You get to hang out with God. I mean, we were talking about this week that unless you've been in a third world country and you've seen idols, like tangibly carved out idols, you don't kind of capture that these people are yearning for a relationship with a God that would talk to them and spend time with them. And we've got that. We've got a God who wants to dwell richly with you. And he doesn't just want to be a foreign, outside the you know, realm of connection God. He wants to be intimately close with you and I. That's why we must supplement our faith. Because it should be good. It should be exciting. It should be life-changing. So let's read it together. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, <clears throat> knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. <clears throat> 
For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they'll keep you from becoming useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we got to deal with this subject of what's next. Because we, we started talking through the passage together, and we started identifying what, is it, what does it mean when it says goodness? What about knowledge? What about self-control? What about endurance? And today, we're going to talk about this big word, godliness. Godliness. What does it mean? So let's define it together. Uh, together. It is conduct or character under the leadership and influence of, of Jesus, conduct or character under the leadership and influence of Jesus, which just means this how you act and how you react should be under the influence of Jesus. So, to be godly, to have somebody identify that as a core character of who you and I are, we have to be under the influence of Jesus. There is no other way to pattern our lives. After the nature of God. It's impossible. Because no one can be God. Except for Jesus Christ. God, the very nature of who he is. Wraps himself in flesh and dwells amongst us to give us an example. A marker by which to measure our lives. A way by which to live. And so when we talk about this word godliness, we have to frame it in terms of who is Jesus. Because if we're going to act like him, we need to look like him as well. It's not enough just to change our clothes. Today I could have stood up in front of you and asked my buddy like Tyson to bring his uh, fireman uniform. almost said outfit. That would have been a bad decision. A uniform. And I could have put on all the uniform. I could have looked the part. But listen, dressing up like Jesus does not mean that you act like him. I could dress the part, but if I'm not running into fires, if I'm not saving people, if I'm not administering CPR, I'm just dressing up. And frankly, this is the danger of this term we throw around like godly. Here's why. I, I saw this shirt the other day, and I should have bought it. I almost did, and I was going to wear it this Sunday, but I thought, I have enough tough time while wearing my cool tennis shoes when I preach. So it says this. Live in such a way that your pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. That's godly. It's setting a resume this side of heaven that shows that Jesus matters. It's enough to see that if people were writing your story or mine, Jesus would be a major player in it. I, I'm kind of worried where we're going in Christian life. And, and I, I'm going to hit here and then we'll go back to text. I'm worried that we're starting to lose sight of Jesus as the central figure of everything. Because too often, and maybe you're here, Christian writers are writing more and more about Christian life than they are about Jesus. And we can look an awful lot like a lot of good Christians. And we can dress their way, we can talk their way, we can even act their way. But if we don't live the life following after the servanthood of Jesus... It doesn't lead us anywhere. I, I promise you, if you want to look like Billy Graham, you can. You can talk like him. You can act like him. You can hold all those things like him. But I can promise you, Billy Graham doesn't need another person at his burial plot. There's only one Billy Graham that's going to be buried there. What the world needs is you. 
They need you radically changed by Jesus and showing up in your world to show that Jesus is worth it. That is the life of a godly person. That in every action you have, you check it against the nature of Jesus. Godly, godliness. So let's look at what Scripture says about this. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16 says that it unlocks the mystery of our faith. We get this in this passage. Listen to it. By the way, 1 and 2 Timothy, if you want to learn about godliness, it is talked more about in 1 and 2 Timothy than any other place in Scripture. Here's why. Paul is trying to impart to Timothy that it is the very thing that needs to be on his driver's license. Some of you have, like I do on my driver's license, the little donor heart. I hope that you do. I hope that you would be a donor. I think it's powerful. But I have that on my driver's license for a reason. I want to be a change for someone. If my life ends, I want theirs to continue on. And so this would be the very thing that Paul would hope that was on your driver's license. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16. I write these things to you, hoping to come to, uh, to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly the mystery of the godliness, or the mystery of godliness is great. Here's the mystery of godliness. You ready? He being who, y'all? Jesus. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Jesus is what unlocks the mystery of godliness. And so it is the key to our faith. When we pursue Jesus, we start to unlock some things in our faith that we haven't been, ex- you know, been experiencing before. I mean, I-, I bet I get this question more than any other question. Kyle, I just don't feel saved. And so we'll go through the questions. Okay, have you invited Jesus to not just come into your heart? That's not a biblical principle. Have you believed he is who he says he is? And have you implemented him as the Savior and Lord of your life? Have you placed you into him, not him into you? He changes you after that. You have to put all of you in first. Have you done that? Yes. Then I start to ask the question, how often do you spend time with him? How often do you spend time with him? Because who you spend time with influences who you become. So if you're spending time with just good people, you may be good. I don't want to just be good. How about you? I want to be godly. I want to spend enough time with the master that when people encounter me, my first reaction is not me. It comes out and it spills out that Jesus is who I spend my most time with. What about 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5? It gives this really crazy moment. It says that godliness can be faked but identified. I want to read this passage with you and then we'll talk about it. It says this, but know this. Difficult times will come in the last days where people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now listen to this verse. Holding on to the form of godliness but denying its power. This is such a scary passage because it is a gut check against us. It is like the man we saw in the video earlier holding the mirror. 
We have to have this moment to have a realization that just because we can sing a Christian song doesn't make us a Christian. It's dangerous. It's it's almost consuming this passage. Holding a form of godliness but denying its power means this. You and I can play the part, but at the end of the show, will we be found serving Jesus? It's scary how many times we run into this in faith. That's why we get things like the fruits of the Spirit, things that we should be exhibiting. That's why we get that passage. It's so that you and I would test our faith, that we would hold each other accountable in that. We don't live in this society where the writers of the Bible lived. Just think for a second what it would look like to show it up up at a house church in Scripture, not knowing if the man that's holding that particular gathering is a Christian or not. Not knowing if he's asking you to come so that you can be arrested and killed for your faith. I mean, that's why we got to test the fruits. And in American culture, we accept any form of Jesus, which is a complete denial of what Scripture says. We absolutely should be looking more and more like Christ. And if our faith isn't leading us to look more and more like Christ, it's not faith. It's a form of godliness. But what's the second part? But denying its power. Here's the power that comes with godliness. You begin to look more and more like Jesus, which you and I are incapable of without him. That's the power that comes from that. He starts to shift us from broken vessels into holy, eternal creatures after his heart. You and I have that in Christ. We have the power of change. We have the power of love. We have the power of the Spirit. We have the power to change the world. And in fact, if you believe Scripture like I believe Scripture, that kind of power is so strong that Scripture says that you can look to the mountains and say, fall into the ocean and it would do so and that only takes the mustard seed size do you capture that there's this real truth that comes out from godliness that calls us to check our hearts and exhibit them and say lord i want to look more like you so i need you desperately i need the lord because i'm married to a woman who is awesome and i want to lead her I need the Lord because I'm a pastor of a church. And that is so stupid. Y'all should really look into my history. Anyways, don't. Please keep me. Anyways, but, but it makes no sense that anybody should stand before anybody and share the gospel. But outside of the supernatural power of God, no one should. Don't you capture that we need to be godly because it is the sustainable thing that gets us through. We don't want to look like the world. The world looks like the news station, and we don't want to look like the local news or the national news. We want to look like Jesus. We want to see something different. We want to wake up with joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We don't want to fall into this line of people who become lovers of self and money, boastful and proud, not loving their parents without love for what is good, ungrateful and unholy, slanders without self-control. See, that's what's exhibited when we don't have the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We exhibit these things. And here's how that passage ends, by the way. Verse 5 says, avoid these people. 
He's not writing to those that don't come to church with them. He's writing to the people that do come to church with them. And he's saying if they're going to claim Jesus and they look like this, tell them to go away. You don't want that kind of example of Jesus. He shows up and he is love. He shows up and he is peace. He shows up and he shows patience and kindness. Don't let this be Jesus' resume of the church you're at, Timothy. Be bold. Clean house. Back in the day, there was this this priest named Eli. Uh, He had two sons. Scripture says the sons didn't listen to God. They, they would do this. They would bring in meat and they would boil it and they'd let the fat go out. And the priest then could take a, a pronged fork and they could poke it in the meat and whatever they pulled up, they could keep for the priest. That was their portion of food. But that is not what Eli's sons were doing. They would ask for meat in the raw and they would cut off any amount they wanted for themselves. You see, Eli was old and he was out, but his sons were running the temple. What's more is that wasn't just it. They were being terrible with the people outside the temple. They were hitting on these women outside the temple complex. And word gets back to Eli. And Eli says, boys, I mean, come on, y'all, y'all are kind of the preachers of the church here. Y'all, y'all can't act like this. I mean, come on, guys. And I don't know what the conversation went like. Surely they were probably like, oh, Dad, we're, uh, we, we hear you. We're good. What we do get is they kept doing it. There's a battle that breaks out. Eli's sons take uh, the very presence of God from the Holy Holies, and they march it into the battle. And everybody's cheering. They're like, oh, the presence of God is here. But that army completely destroys the army. They take the ark, and they kill Eli's two sons on the same day. It was a promise that was given to Eli. How must we think we are so big and so strong that we who call ourselves Christians shouldn't be accountable to God in the same way? Do we really believe that we're above everybody in Scripture and we can act however we so choose and God will not judge our hearts? There's a real truth that I hope you get today. God in Jesus demands godliness in you and I. It's not an option. If we will claim Jesus, God demands of you that you start to act like him. And I promise you what's going to happen. Willfully today you can do it. Those of us in the faith, I'm talking to you. Willfully we can do it today. We can submit to God. We can draw near to him. The enemy will flee from us. And we will soak up what God has been pouring into us or He'll hold us accountable and bring us back to himself. If you need an example, start in the Old Testament when God's people failed. And guess what? They all did. That's the beauty of the Old Testament, y'all. I, as much, I just finished it. I just finished the Minor Prophets, just rolled into Matthew. And I'm, I was moved this time around to see how many times these major players of men and women failed and God brought them back to himself again he'll bring you back because he loves you it just won't be easy I want to willfully submit to God I want him to know that I'm in and I want to be changed I want to look like the image of Jesus but you and I need to do something together 
as a church, we must hold each other accountable to growth. It must be what we do because we want to look like Jesus and we want outsiders to see Jesus in us. When we come together in this room, we must say, let's look more like him together. And when it's not happening, we should go to our brothers and sisters and say, let's go back to Scripture. I think we're missing something. Here's the problem with that scenario. You ready? You and I won't like it. Because we like to point out other people's sins, not our own. I mean, I'm great pointing out your sins, right? I, I can put a whiteboard up here. I'll just point at you and write a sin and be like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. See, I didn't point at anybody because I don't want y'all doing this either. Uh-huh, that's you. But see, when you do it to me, I'm offended. How dare you talk about me? <sighs> you don't know me. You don't know what's happening with me. All along, Jesus is going, I do know you, and I'm going to bring you back to me. And so I'm going to use your brothers and sisters because they're right there. We should count upon one another to seek the Lord's face. Absolutely seek him. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, that, it, that godliness carries through eternity. I, I love this. It, here's what the verse says. For training the body has a limited benefit. Like, we're in that culture, right? Like, don't, don't stop going to the gym because you heard this passage. Don't be like, oh, it's limited, so I'm going to quit. Going to really fill out that casket. Um, it says it has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds the promise for the present life and also the life to come. It has eternity in it. Do you see it? Godliness carries eternity's business card. And when you and I start to exhibit godliness, it doesn't stop when our breath on this side of heaven stops. It just keeps going. It's the energizer bunny of faith. You and I must pursue godliness because it is rich for you and I. And it changes us. 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12 says it shows how we should live until Jesus returns. And listen to what it says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief on that day. The heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved in the earth, and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are being destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people uh, you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for and earnestly desire the coming of the day of God. The heavens will be on fire and be dissolved because of it. The elements will melt with the heat. You and I should know that until the Lord returns, you and I are called to show Jesus. It's how we should be found. It's what we exhibit. It's what we show forth. The Lord has a plan for you. I want you to hear this from me today. Those of you in Jesus, the Lord doesn't abandon you. If you feel abandoned by the Lord, if you feel distance from the Lord, it is not his doing. He makes no bridges between you and him. He only brings closeness. If you and I feel distance, it's our side. We've sinned, and we need repentance. We need to seek his face and repent and turn back to him. Here's the thing. No matter how far you've walked that way from him, when you repent, he's right here. He's a God that loves you. He is near and close. He sticks closer than a brother. That's how good God is. So if you're in the faith today and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Today is a day that we should pursue godliness. 
We should empty ourselves again and say, God, I want to be filled by you. When I was a kid, we had a drink that we would make every day. We, we would walk up to the, the concession Coke stand, and we would hit every one of the Cokes down the line. Anybody remember what that was called? A suicide. You know why? Because we put Diet Coke in it. That's what made it a suicide. Those of y'all Diet Coke drinkers, that's filthy. Anyways, we, we would go all the way down, right? Here's the thing. Now they have tea in that. Like when we were kids, it was like Sprite, orange soda, Diet Coke if you were daring, root beer, Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper. Now they have like tea flavors, like peach tea. It really is a suicide now. It's a mission, and our kids are still taking it. Save the kids. Um, but all of that mixing up all along the way, we all lied, didn't we? Remember, you'd put the lid on, your straw in, and you'd go, ooh, that's awesome. It never was awesome. It tasted like death. That's why it's called suicide. It's horrible. You shouldn't mix drinks like that. It was bad. It tasted flat. It tasted awful. And we drank it anyway. And we had to be brave around our friends and our family. I'm awesome. This is so good. All along thinking, Lord, please keep me here. Uh, If I can make it through this, Lord, I can make it through anything. Some of us have mixed up this thought that we can mix God with all this other stuff. We've mixed God with prosperity. We've mixed prosperity with uh, happy dreams. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we've mixed God with, like, Middle Eastern faith and all this kind of stuff, and we have all this mixture. At the end of the day, we feel so unfulfilled. God's calling us back to reclaim what we lost. That time with him is real. Time with him is good. Time with him is changing. And he wants to spend time with you. Listen, if you don't know my Jesus today, if you've never taken a moment where you accept he is who he says he is in Scripture and believed in him and trusted him and make, you know, professed him as Lord and Savior, I want to invite you into something. Maybe it's a test. And maybe you just try this test. Would you start praying to him? Maybe you're not ready to even walk or talk about, you know, asking Jesus into your life or, you know, giving him your everything. But you would take a test of just praying. Would you do that this week? Just every day. Some point during the day. Maybe you don't want to do it at work and be that guy. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's at night. I I don't know. Find a time. And just start with a simple prayer of, Okay, God, uh, that preacher said I needed to pray. I don't know. Amen? Try it for a week. See if God doesn't show up. Because I believe he always does. Maybe today you know that you need Jesus. And you've heard all your life that Jesus is real. And he changes lives. And you want him to change yours. But you've just never made that decision you've wrestled with it and and you just don't know if today's the day or not i want to encourage you make it today know him today maybe you don't even know what to do next here in a minute i'll be here dale will be here john will be here come ask us how do i do that how do i ask jesus into my life to change my life maybe you do that today if that's you i'd love to meet you We're just going to take a time here in a minute. We call it the invitation. Uh, 
in a minute, our musicians will move up. I'm going to be praying. At the end of my prayer, I'm going to ask us to stand. You'll see people walk the aisle. They're, they're going to come and pray. You'll see them, I promise you. They do it every Sunday. They're praying for something. And maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe you come down and kneel and pray at the front. But maybe today you want to know more about Jesus and, and you'd like to have a conversation about that. That's why we stand here. We want to pray for you. We want to talk to you about Jesus. And so take this opportunity. Redeem what's been lost. Those of us in the faith, let's reclaim our faith. Let's pursue godliness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, I ask that you would move mightily in this time. God, that you'd speak over everybody in this room. God, I realize that, uh, God, you are what speaks over our hearts. Lord, and so help us to be obedient, to listen to your voice and respond. And so, God, draw us near to you. Lord, use us today for your will. God, we want to be godly people. Help us to take that step. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.